Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We have seen throughout our study of the book of Proverbs that there are certain words that repeat over and over. And there's going to be no exception tonight in our study. So again, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Proverbs and chapter 4. Now, we see here in this fourth chapter that Solomon is speaking as a father, an earthly father who has been given supernatural wisdom. And notice what he says, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, listen sons. Now, even though this is a masculine word, sons, it's true for all children. In fact, many Bibles translate this word as children, understanding that the masculine plural is oftentimes used in an inclusive way. So he says here, listen, sons. And what's important to know is that this word for listening or hearing demands a response. So what we hear, we're called to respond to. We're called to implement it into our lives. He says, listen, sons. And then we have that familiar word, musar, which is best understood as ethics. It speaks about a quality of life that is generated from an ethical stance. Being individuals that do not follow the ways of the world, do not just accept what may be legal in a society, but we submit to the ethical standards of God. And therefore, he says here, the, the ethics of Father. And here, most would, would understand this to refer to one's own Father, but these ethics derive from God and not man. So we read here the ethics of the Father, and then he says, listen to the knowledge of understanding. Now, wisdom and ethics and knowledge and understanding are all related. But what he's talking about here is wisdom and understanding that allows us to behave in a distinctive way that we are fulfilling the purpose of the Father. In one sense, our earthly Father, if we have been blessed with a godly Father. If not, our heavenly Father. He promises never to forsake us, never to depart from us. And therefore, we are called to implement His standards of ethics and justice, His wisdom and His understanding. And this word understanding has to do with not only a knowledge, but a practical knowledge of knowing how to execute something in a way that, that displays the fact that we belong to God and that we are in a covenant relationship with Him. Look now to verse 2. He says, 
for lekach. Now, lekach is a Hebrew word that's best understood as a lesson, a lesson which is learned. And God's lessons that he provides us, notice that the next word is good. So he says, for a good lesson I have given to you or for you. Now, the term here, lachem, can mean to you or to mean for you, meaning in one's behalf. And I believe it's best understood in this way because God does things for us. All the things that he instructs us, commands us to do, God gets no benefit from that. Why? God is perfect. He's complete. God needs nothing and requires nothing from us for his benefit. Everything that he commands us to do, every aspect of wisdom and understanding and his ethical standards, all of that is for our betterment or for us to be used as his vessel to better someone else, to be a righteous influence upon them. So he says here, look at verse 2. For a good lesson I have given to you. And now he's going to tell us what that lesson is. And see if your Bible translates it properly. It's the word Torati. Now, Torati simply means my law or my instruction. But the word here, the root here, is indeed the word Torah. And the word Torah relates to God's law. And again, he gives us laws in order that we can implement them into our life so that we reflect God's character. This goes back to what the Bible says. We were created in his image. Sin attacked that. That first sin changed everything. Because image has to do with a reflection. So we don't look like God, but we are called to behave like God, to implement his character and make his character our character. And this is the objective of this book of Proverbs. So he says, my law, do not forsake or abandon. It is never in our best interest to abandon or leave the instructions of God's, God's standards. Again, he gives it to benefit, to bless society. These are not simply for the children of Israel, but the children of Israel were first given the laws of God as an example that when Israel implemented and demonstrated them, they would be blessed. And this would hopefully cause the nations to want that same blessing and to use that same tool, which is an instrument of blessing, and that's what the law is. It's an instrument of blessing and an instrument of life. Not giving life, not making everlasting life. That's through faith. But, but the law gives us a quality of life, a life that reflects that we are the children of God. So he says, my law, which is God's law, do not forsake. Verse 3. For a son I was to my father. Now, King Solomon, that is Malach Shlomo, is speaking about the fact that he had to go through these things. And that he learned truth through his father and, of course, 
We're talking about King David. So he says, a son was I to my father. And it says, tender and also the only one before my mother. Now, what it's speaking here is this, that Solomon was viewed by his mother in a tender way and also unique. That, that he was special, this only son of, of his mother, at least for a time. And this is why she was able to dedicate so much of herself in preparing Solomon for what he was going to do. Be that king over Israel. Verse 5. Again he says, And teach me, or instruct me, its word, Va-yor-reini, from the same word for Torah. So instruct me, and say to me, that, that my words in your heart, you will do something. And what is that? Well, it's a word of, of uh, supporting. So the words of my heart, he says, you are to support them, rely upon them, and keep my commandments and live. Now here again, it's not talking about giving life or eternal life but it's talking about a quality of life, a life that reflects who we belong to and a life that reflects the righteousness of God. So these things aren't dated. These things are not just for one group of people, but rather they are for all nations, all peoples, those who speak whatever language, all languages, in order that they reflect what we were created to do. And that is to reflect the character of God. And it's through the law of God, especially when we have the Holy Spirit, that we have been redeemed, we're in that new creation, then we are able to demonstrate the righteousness of the law, manifest the glory of God, and bear witness to others that we are the supernatural children of God. So he says, keep my commandments and live. Verse 5. Now he's going to get very practical where he says, acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Now, wisdom is a very practical word. It is knowledge with the ability to implement that knowledge. And understanding comes from implementing the wisdom of God, taking that knowledge and putting it into action. And when we do, there is going to be a maturity. There is going to be a growth. There is going to be a learned experience. And that learned experience is going to give us a greater understanding of the ways of God. The more that we serve God, the more that we will learn things about God and can anticipate how God's going to respond. So as you walk more and more with God, you can anticipate what God is going to have you to do, why he wants you to do that, and what the outcome is going to be and how God's going to participate with us. So he says, look again at verse 5. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding, and do not forget, and do not turn, and the implication is, do not turn from the words of my mouth. Now, again, 
we see here that Shlomo, that is King Solomon, is speaking. And he has an absolute confidence. He knows that his words are not his own, but that they are the words of God. And he's confident. He says, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Verse 6. Do not forsake her. And again, the her in this passage is wisdom. Do not forsake her, for she will keep you. Love her, and then we see that she will keep you. Now, one of the things that, that I'm seeing here is that there's many benefits. Wisdom works in a person's life in a way of becoming, as we'll see later on, a shield for us. So wisdom, in and of itself, when we demonstrate wisdom, love wisdom, keep wisdom, implement wisdom, wisdom is going to give us life, a life standard, a, a quality of life. Also, it's going to be a preserver of life, life in this world, and it is going to prepare us for a more blessed life in the kingdom of God. So look again at verse 6. He says, do not forsake her, for she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. Verse 7. The beginning of wisdom, and we could think of this as the priority. The first thing concerning wisdom is what? Acquire wisdom. With all your, your acquisition, all of your acquiring Acquire understanding. Now, we see something. The more wisdom you have, you are going to also acquire understanding. And this understanding allows you to have discernment. Biblically speaking, there's a relationship between understanding and discernment. And here's how it works. We need to be very practical. And that's this. As I walk in the will of God, executing wisdom, taking that knowledge, the truth of God, and implementing it in a real way, in a practical sense. Doing that is going to bring about understanding in one's life. Now, what that understanding is, it is going to give you a greater ability to perceive the perspective of God. And when I have God's perspective, it allows me to make wise decisions. Let me say that differently. It gives me discernment. I'm able to see a situation and not be deceived. Now, we know something. We know that there is coming the enemy, and I'm speaking of the Antichrist. And he is going to be a deceiver because the Antichrist is a type of Satan incarnate, and Satan is a liar and deceiver. Therefore, it is vital that we have wisdom, that we implement that wisdom in a practical sense. Because when we do, we're given understanding. That understanding is going to give us discernment so that we make wise decisions, God-honoring decisions, decisions that manifest to others the supernatural God by means of the Holy Spirit leading us and directing us. So he says, 
the priority of wisdom is to acquire wisdom. And in all of your acquiring, it says, you inquire or acquire understanding. Verse 8. Now, we have a word for, for kind of lifting something up, building something up, and it says, she shall build you and you she will exalt and and honor you for you will hug or embrace her. Now, notice this. It says here, she is going to build or we should build her up, meaning make her priority, utilize wisdom. And in doing so, she is going to exalt you. So we build up wisdom. We make that the foundation of our life. And this is going to exalt us. And it is going to honor us. Why? She will honor you. For you, you are going to embrace her. And this embracing shows a relationship. In the same way that a man embraces his wife or a father or mother embraces children, it's based upon love. It's a desire to be close, that intimacy. And what he's saying here is that we need to have that same commitment, that same desire, that same love for wisdom. Look now to verse 9. She will give for your head, and then we have a word which means an ornament, an ornament specifically of chen or of grace and favor. She is a, a crown of splendor. And notice this again, notice the benefits. She will guard you. So as we do these things, this crown is related to victory. If we're going to have spiritual victory, we need to rely upon wisdom and understanding and have wisdom being what leads us, what guides us. And here again, we see that wisdom, this spiritual spiritual fruit, is connected to the work of the Holy Spirit. Only He can give us wisdom. So we read here, She will give to your head an ornament of grace, a crown of splendor, she will guard you. Verse 10. Hear my son and take my words. Why? Then we have a word for multiplying. It's a word of making something abundant or many. And it says here, in doing that, the words of my mouth, they will multiply for you the years of life. Now, does that mean that, that it's going to necessarily give us long life, that someone will live many, many years? Not necessarily. This thing about multiplying the years of your life doesn't necessarily mean old age, having many, many years, but it can also be a term of efficiency, meaning that the years of our life, we are going to have a fullness. We are going to live efficiently, we are going to have a fruitful life that that is able to, to put many things into a very short period of time. 
So it, it's speaking about fruitfulness that's going to come from exercising wisdom. And then he says, look now to verse 11. On the way of wisdom, notice what it says. On the way of wisdom, and we have this, this instructing you. That there's going to be an instruction that comes to you in the way of wisdom. When we're walking on the pathway of wisdom. And then it says, And I will guide you in the pathway of uprightness. Now, this word uprightness, and this is where I get the concept of living an efficient life. Because this word is straight. The word upright speaks about straight. Here's the problem. Oftentimes, we live a life where we kind of meander through it. And we make a lot of wrong choices. We go this way when we should have went the other. And we have inefficiency. We're not living a fruitful life that has purpose and has a commitment to that purpose. We waste a lot of things. And wisdom, wisdom will work in our life in order to make our lives efficient and more abundant in the things of God. So he says here, in the way of, of wisdom, I have instructed you and I have guided you in the pathways of uprightness. Verse 12. When you walk, it says here, that, that will not be uh, uh, formed your steps. So what it says here is that, that basically when you walk, there will not be trouble to your steps is a better way of translating it. When you walk according to wisdom, your steps are not going to have trouble placed upon them. And if you should run, you're not going to stumble. So the benefit of wisdom is that when we are being led by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to encounter trouble. Now, if we do, it is going to be for a purpose of victory, overcoming that. But by and large, what the Scripture is saying is wisdom keeps us out of trouble. The problem is this. When we make our own decisions, when we go our own direction, we are indeed going to be encountering trouble. Do not make your own choices. Rely upon the leadership of the Holy Spirit. God's wisdom, God's understanding, God's ethics, God's justice, all of those things, when we're committed to them, they are going to lead you in the proper way. Well, let's look, if we could, to verse 13. It says here, Be strong is literally what this root word is. We may understand it as hold on to. So hold on to, and it's that same word, musar, which is ethic. The ethics of the Father speaking the wisdom and ethical standards that God reveals in His word. The message here, yes, this word is to hold on to, but when we do so, holding on to the right ethical standards is going to empower us. It is going to give us strength. 
It is going to give us the ability to persevere and overcome. And that's why I believe, if indeed we're approaching the last days, this book of Proverbs is so important because it tells us how to live in a way that is going to make our life efficient and to provide what we need to overcome the troubles in this world and do so victorious. So again, we could translate it. Hold on to ethics and do not let go. What does that mean? Be consistently committed to wisdom, the ethical standards of God. There is a relationship. Now again, when we speak about wisdom, there is that practical aspect of taking knowledge, taking the truth of God, and being able to exercise it, put it into action, implement it in a real-life situation in real time. It is going to cause us to, when we're making that consistently, we are going to be empowered by God for the purpose of doing more and overcoming more of the attacks of the enemy. And then it speaks about here how she, meaning wisdom, will guard, guard for, why? Well, we could say guard her, guard wisdom. Why? For she is your life. And this is where we began, that we learned that that. Through wisdom, we find protection. Now, as we go through this fourth chapter, we have seen, as we've already encountered, many benefits for, for taking the wisdom of God, implementing it in our life, so that we have a testimony that shows that we belong to God through a covenant. Now, let me conclude by saying a few things about this covenantal relationship. A covenant, because we are in a covenant with God, God obligates himself to us. But just don't think it's a one-way street. We should understand our obligations to God. It is a joyful thing to fulfill obligations. We shouldn't be hesitant to do that. We should be individuals that want to demonstrate before God and as a testimony to others that we are in a covenantal relationship. And when we do that, you know what the benefit is? Well, covenants contain blessings and promises. So when I walk according to the obligations that I have as part of God's family, part of being redeemed by him, entering into that new covenant relationship. When I walk in my obligations to my covenantal relationship with God, I'm going to be experiencing the promises and the blessings of God. Here again, God wants us to obey. God wants us to submit to his authority, not for any selfish purpose, not to ruin our life, but so that we can be experiencing that ever-increasing abundant life. That's what God wants. And again, all of God's commandments, all of them, have a purpose, and that is to bless us and give us a quality of life. And that new quality of life that comes from recognizing God's authority over your life, 
doing so joyfully, these things are going to make our life rich. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to become wealthy, but it's going to give us a richness of life. And that word richness is a life of significance, a life whereby we are pursuing meaningful things. Well, when we look, for example, at the book of Ecclesiastes, also known in Hebrew as Kohelet, we find in the book of Ecclesiastes that, that Solomon, the same author of Proverbs, he was seeking something. He was seeking a meaningful life that would have meaning for eternity. And the only way that you can have that eternal life that is meaningful, a life of significance, is to have a life that is be redeemed and a life that is now connected to the kingdom of God. And it's only when we walk in wisdom and knowledge and understanding, taking hold of the ethical standards of God, then and only then are we going to be demonstrating that life that God wants for his people. And when we do that, when we walk in wisdom, growing in understanding, having that discernment, bringing, as I've said many times, every thought, hear that, every thought, captive to the obedience of Messiah. When we do that, we're going to have a meaningful life. We're going to have significance of our life. And we are going to be living in a way that produces that which is meaningful, significant, of substance, not just for a season, but for all of eternity. Do not forsake the wisdom of God. Do not ignore it. Do not uh, overlook it. But as it says here, cherish it, guard it, keep it. For when you do, you are going to know the many blessings and the many benefits that wisdom will have in your life. If you're not walking in the wisdom of God, utilizing it, you are going to be living a futile life. And there's many believers today Although they're saved and they will be in the kingdom of God because they're not committed to a life of wisdom, implementing the wisdom of God, growing in their understanding, learning more in their knowledge of God, because they're not doing it. They're not going to have the kingdom experience that they could. Don't think that the kingdom is the same for every believer. The Bible speaks about those who are least in the kingdom of God and those who are great in the kingdom of God. And we should strive. This is not selfishness. This is not pride. This is obedience in essence. This is how we show humility, that we, we embrace the truth of God because we desire to be great in the kingdom of God. And what that means is we desire to live in a powerful way, a life that is pleasing, in fact, well-pleasing to the Lord. That's what we're called to do. Well, I'll close with this until next week, and we finish chapter 4 of the book of Proverbs. May God bless you. May you walk in wisdom. And until next week, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. 
Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.